0: welcome to episode number six of the WIM podcast that's wwim podcast women who inspire me our guest today is the very intelligent beautiful and talented shweta bot thank you so much for coming on the show
1: thank you dave yeah. for having me on the show that's
0: great uh, yeah. good to see you again last time we saw each other we were doing the Worcester telegram storytellers project which was awesome I love that experience so much fun great people I met and the night itself was amazing so share with our listeners what got you up to that point like life story what got you into storytelling all that
1: sure good stuff definitely so I was born and raised in Burlington Massachusetts and I mean I don't know if The listeners can tell, but I'm Indian. And uh, being Indian in a town that was very Irish and very Italian, pretty much 50-50, it was a little different. It was a little difficult. Trying to understand, all right, who am I? What do I want to do in this world? How do I fit in? How do I belong? Where do I belong? And so as a kid... I constantly was, like, finding wonder, finding magic in things around me. I was the kind of kid who, like, put goldfish crackers in water and thought maybe real goldfish will come (laughs) from here. Or prepped by myself in my basement by, like, spinning in circles really, really fast to mimic centrifugal force so I could become an astronaut. Like, magic was what I was looking into because I was like, there's something that connects us. I mean, we're all people. So, and, and as I kind of went around that way, I started to realize things that just came naturally to me that came a little easy and I was good at school. That's really all that I felt like I was good at. And so I went with it and excelled and all of those things. And You know, if you look at my fifth grade yearbook, you will see that next to my photo, my future looked like going to an Ivy League school or MIT and becoming a doctor or professor, which I have absolutely no clue as a 10 year old how I knew what any of those. I I was just going to say,
0: when I was in fifth grade, I did not know what an Ivy League school was. I I asked my parents, I was like, Mom,
1: Dad, did you feed this (laughs) to me? Like what? And they're like, no. I'm like, well, that's interesting. I really don't know where I picked that up from. But no adults thought that was outlandish. You that's know, good. like had I told them I wanted to become an actor or um, a basketball player, they were like, absolutely not like That's just that's a little <laughs> crazy. But like when I told them those things, they were like 100 percent right on like this is what you're going to do with your life. And I'm like, OK. <laughs> and so I went with it um, and I ended up going to Brown University out in Providence. And once I got there, it was the first time. I wasn't all the things I had been before in my life. I was, you know, one of the top of my class. I was a smart kid. Everybody knew me as the human calculator. (laughs) This was like the life I lived. And yes, I was a performer. I was a dancer. I used to do a lot of public speaking. I did comedy in my free time, but I never really considered myself a performer. I was a mathematician. I was a scientist before any of those things. Those were just hobbies. I get to college. And you know what? I'm not top of my class anymore. Mm-hmm. Everybody here was top of their class. There's a 12-year-old in my chemistry class no. like drinking what? hot chocolate <gasps> while we are all downing Starbucks. <laughs> oh my
0: god. And
1: I'm just like I I don't I like, I, like who am I? <laughs> you know, and I thought I could pass along the same way I did in high school, which was your homies with the teacher. You study maybe the day of.
0: <laughs> you take the exam, you do well. <laughs>
1: That's not how you get through Brown University. (laughs) I will tell you that does not make you a successful student. So I had a lot of lessons to learn. And it really shattered my confidence. It really shattered my understanding of who I was. Identity crisis number one, which is who am I now if I'm not the smart Mm. kid? Because this whole life I've been really banking on being the smart kid because I don't look like anybody else. I don't really feel like I belong anywhere. And the classroom was where I felt like I belonged. And that really like brought me on my own journey of understanding, all right, who am I? And there was a lot of discomfort and there were a lot of choices that maybe me looking back now, I probably wouldn't have made. Um, But I remember taking a year off from Brown and being like, all right, I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to go into science. I don't know what I want to do. And I ended up meeting um, my professor, a professor at Brown, um, Professor Frusetti, and she's the head of the anthropology department. And she became my mentor. And I realized how much I just loved people. That kid who enjoyed magic, she loved learning, talking, understanding people more than anything. And anthropology, that's what it is, (laughs) right? Like, that's exactly what it is. So I took on anthropology, but like, hey, I'm Indian, I'm South Asian. At the end of the day, I have to do something practical. So I took on econ as well because I was good at math. And I brought those two together and I started realizing, hey, I'm like actually figuring out how I think and how I like to think and what I want to do in the world. This is great. Comes to, um, comes to graduation and all of the kids in my class, like my classmates, they're interviewing at banks and consulting firms and all these things. And I'm like, this is what I have to do. I got to do this. (laughs) Not what I want to do. Not what I want to do. Right. Right. 100%. Like I wanted to like travel the world. I wanted to do something. Like I wanted to work with people. I wanted to be in the field. And I remember just being like, Oh, but I got to, I got to do these jobs. I got to apply to these things. So I remember getting um, an email from a consulting firm and they were like, hey, we saw your resume and we think you'd be really good for this very specific consulting group that we have. Now, I had never heard any of those words before. It was complex securities and derivatives valuation. (laughs) And I thought it was a joke. (laughs) Like I legitimately was like, I'm getting punked.
0: It sounds like a movie, like something that you hear in a movie. I'm like, I'm
1: getting punked (laughs) by a company right now. This is not cool. You know, this is like one of the big four. I'm like, this is not fun. But I like go in. And I have my first interview, and it's just like a personal interview, and like I can do conversation. We're fine. But then I get on this second call. The guy gets on, and I already know it's not going to go well because I'm like, wow, are you from Australia? And he's like, no, I'm from South Africa. (laughs) So I've already guessed the accent wrong. I am literally on my bed, and he's like, by the way, Shweta, this is going to be a technical interview. And I'm like, what do you mean a technical (laughs) interview? Like I know people, I don't know math. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I don't know this kind of like deep Whatever economic talked about stuff, yeah. right? Like no, but he was, starts asking me questions and I am answering all of them wrong, and I'm li- I literally have a book in front of me and I'm like reading bold words. <laughs> To try and answer his questions. I'm also Facebook messaging my sister. And I'm like, yo, I am sweating out of places. I don't want to be sweating right now. Like I'm late for class and I am blowing this up. And I remember just being like, you know what? I'm going to just be honest. Hey, um, thank you so much for having this interview with me. But um, I don't know anything about finance like actually zilch i am making things up but what i can tell you is i learn quickly and i can pick these things up if you give me the mm. chance and he tells me he goes you know what thank you so much for the honesty um we're a little busy right now you may not hear back from us but like um you will soon and i'm like all right this is his way of being like you did thank not you but get no thank job. you right right three months pass. <laughs> And I'm like, obviously didn't get this job. It's a week before graduation. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm about to graduate from this school that my parents paid a lot of money for me to go to. And I don't have a job. Like that just doesn't add up. Um, It doesn't make sense. It's not like the linearity I was told to have. And I get a call from this number in D.C. That's like, hey, we would like you to come down for a super day of interviews with the Complex Securities and Derivatives Valuation Group. I'm like what are you talking about? And they're like, "Yes, we would like you to come down for a whole day of interviews." And I'm like, "No, I I didn't pass the first round." And they're like, "Yes, you did. <laughs> you're coming, you're coming to DC. We'll pay for your ticket. You'll be here in 2 days." And I'm actually angry. Like I am angry. I'm like, "No, no, no, no." Right, right. This is, this is what are you talking about? I go down there, do the same thing where I'm answering questions the way I know how to answer questions. And the day after my graduation, I get the call. Hey, New York or McLean, Virginia. Whoa. And I said, New York. I
0: was going to say, that's not much of a choice. <laughs> no, it's not much of a choice.
1: I wanted to stay in Boston because yeah, I was yeah. always like, I'm a Boston kid. <laughs> like, I'm a Boston kid through and through. Like, throughout college, I had fat heads of, like, KG. And, <laughs> like, uh, it was it was great. That's just who I was. And I'm like, I don't think I can survive New York end up going to New York I remember my car ride there and I am freaking out inside like what did I get myself into I know nobody here I'm about to work in Times Square like what is going on I go there I don't know anything at work and I'm like working with all these engineers and things but I just I was like yo, it's a challenge it's a challenge let's figure it out let's pick it up and I do and I start doing well but like years go by and i'm consulting and i like working with people i like working with the client
0: so what what's the typical what would typical like interaction with a client how would that go like i'm having this problem with i'm having this, this problem here's the here's and, the thing and you or we talk it through with them. A, we yeah. talk
1: it through or we did a lot of stuff with like mergers okay. or like acquisitions so if companies were coming together and they were like sharing assets like what is this valued at now yeah. so that was I had to learn what all of that meant yeah right um and like finance was never something interesting to me so i'm in a company where everybody else is reading the financial times they talk about investing and stuff like that and i'm like so celebrities <laughs> like oh my god i, remember, I saw you're spike. like Did anyone
0: watch this last
1: percent, hundred percent or like i would you know like music concerts i remember i saw spike lee at lunch once and i like Whoa, came back and i was like shit. I just saw Spike Lee and they were like, Who's that? And I was like, Oh man. You must
0: have, were you one of the younger people I was the working youngest. there too? Yeah. I was the youngest. Yeah.
1: I was um, one of the only women and yeah. I was one of the only people of color. So, all of those are not surprising. Right? No, I mean, and weirdly, weirdly, I was um, featured in a lot of the outward facing material. like, okay.
0: Hey, look what we have. With exactly. Us. Yeah. Because I was relatively
1: <laughs> articulate and, you know, But, um, in doing all of that, like, you know, I really just, boredom is lethal for me. Disinterest, lethal. So it just started to like eat at me. And my Mm. boss, I remember one day was like, Hey, I hired you because you have a spark and I see you losing it. And I Mm. don't want to be the reason for that. That's a good boss. Great boss. Love him. And. So as I was kind of in that state, that's when I started writing again. Okay. That's when I started, I was like, I need, I need that magic mm. in my life again. Let's mm. see how I can bring that about. And I started to write poetry and prose and stories and all of these things, but I never thought I could share them. I was like, I'm not good at this. Like I'm okay. <laughs> you know, like I had gone to a school where I saw, you know, actors and, really really like people who had been on ted for like doing spoken word and what things, did you like...
0: study at brown was it communications or was it no
1: it was economics and south asian studies
0: oh south Asian yeah
1: studies. Okay. but like i remember i went to my first spoken word at brown like a spoken word little slam and i was like whoa what are these people doing like this is so i had been a public speaker i'd been like all these things but i felt like i couldn't do that like i wasn't going to be good enough to do that I wasn't going to sound like them because I really didn't see people like me doing it. Mm. Um, And so I kept all of this stuff aside and I was just like, this is just like my secret material, (laughs) all these like notes on my phone. And then I remember just one day being like, I can't do this anymore. My health had gotten bad. I I wasn't sleeping. Like I couldn't digest food. Like it was, it was like everything in the world was telling me like, hey, you are not living in alignment with, with what what's you need, going on. And I get it. Like you want to do this thing. But you know, like, and I remember it was this psychic. Look, I was in New York. I was in Brooklyn. I got, I got a good amount of woo to me. I was taking an uh, an astrology class and there was a psychic in the astrology class ah. that I was taking. And she looks at me and she goes. You know, you have a capacity for upheaval. If you want to upheave your life, know that it's it's gonna be hard. But um and I was like, What the heck is she? Just out of the blue, me? just start talking blue, to you? Out of the blue started talking to me. And I was like, Okay, well, um, this is a little weird and I'm already uncomfortable. I do not think I can afford to be more uncomfortable. Little did I know, a year and a half later, I up and left my job. Whoa. And it was November of twenty nineteen. I so was like, I'm gonna leave my job. That was good I don't ti-
0: Was that good timing? Perfect timing right before
1: Who knows? <laughs> yeah, no, Who knows? Yeah. You know? And I left my job with this full intention that Come January, come Fe- January, I was going to England, but come February, I was gonna go look for a job again. I needed a couple months to like just like wash mm. off the fact that I wasn't working anymore because I was the person who was up at four a.m. Mm. checking emails, sleeping at like two a.m. after checking emails, like constantly, <laughs> like very high-strung, right. fight or flight right. all the time. But I didn't have a job lined up. I didn't have anything. Everybody's like, "What the heck are you doing? You have this great job." It pays you. It allows you to pay your bills in New York City and live a kind of life that you want to live. What are you doing? And I left. I ended up going to England, come back, and it's a pandemic. And now.
0: I so walk. you came back like in March, like right March, before March. March 25th.
1: <laughs> oh March 25th, 2020. It's not like I don't remember the date because I remember I look at my sister who was living with me at the time and I go, yo, I don't want to go home. And she goes, what the it's only going to be like a, a few months, a months or few, something. No, yeah. like a few weeks. Oh, oh right. A few of weeks. And, and I was yeah. like, no, I think I think we're going to have to say bye to New York. And she's like, no. And I remember I'm, I'm coming home. And I'm like, I'm coming back to my childhood home. Like to the town that at 17, I thought I would never come <laughs> back to. Like that was my goal. <laughs> Do not go back to Burlington and you are successful. and I remember being back and just being like, I don't like this. Yeah. Like uh, s- this doesn't, like, uh, I need to do something. I don't know what I need to do. And that's when I started really talking about story. Uh, and that's when I really started all those papers that I had. I started talking to people. I started connecting with people. Cause I'm like, I can't be the only one going through this right now. Right. Like I can't be the only one. I had kind of started in New York. I had this idea. I wanted to start supper clubs where I would cook. Cause I love cooking, invite people over. And then we, We tell stories. Mm. We do these things. Um, That's why I loved working with clients because more than just their data and these presentations, I got to know about their lives. I got to know about their kids, what they were up to. Everything became a story. And that's kind of how I would present everything. You know, numbers were chill. But being able to tell somebody their own biography in a way that they wanted to hear. I mean, that is what consulting is.
0: Right, And that builds trust. It builds trust.
1: Exactly. And so I started. I remember I had a friend that I had met, and she goes, Shweta, here's an Eventbrite invitation to a story slam. And I was like, what is a story slam? (laughs) And it was a 99 second story slam. Whoa. And it was the day of it. So you had to tell a story in 99 99 seconds. seconds. And I remember it was at six p.m. Seven p.m. was when it started, and I, I bought my ticket as a teller at four thirty, and Sean, who runs this whole thing, emails me at six o'clock, and he goes, "Do you know you told you um you bought a teller's ticket? Like was yeah, that?" Like, and I was like, you- "Yep," yeah. and he's like, "You understand this is a ninety-nine second you you have a story," and I'm like, "Yep, yeah." sure and and i show up there and i tell my story and i win and i think something about that like i just got more and more and this was march 18th of 2021
0: wow so you haven't been doing this that long i haven't been doing it freaking good but
1: i just holy crap then i just started going more and like um, you and know, I'm sure
0: there was like a momentum. Then, there was right? a momentum. Yeah, there so much momentum. Within in that, life, like, I was
1: like this... in 21 shows, like within several months. Whoa. And then once things started to open, I started going in front of people and that like high yeah, that, oh, like, yeah. adrenaline thing. Yeah. As that comics, you just... we've.
0: A couple times, felt maybe once or twice. It's it's next level.
1: (laughs) It is. Maybe. (laughs) It's you know know. what? It's like one of those things where you're just like, (laughs) I get in front and I'm like, you know what? There are not many places in my life that I feel like I'm doing something right. Right. But this is where
0: this is what I'm like where I'm supposed to be. What I'm supposed to be doing. This is it. Like, hundred percent. Yeah, that's great. Hundred percent. What was your ninety nine second story?
1: My ninety nine second story was about this time I was in first grade. And I'm in the line to go home. And this guy, he's behind me and he's whistling. It's the end of the day, all right? I'm tired. And I go, yo, can you stop whistling? And he doesn't stop. I ask him again. I ask him again. And he still doesn't stop. So my extremely irritated six-year-old self elbows him in the stomach. And he ends up puking <gasps> everywhere. And the teacher sees me and she tells me, you need to go to the principal's (laughs) office. Now, I am like an A-plus student.
0: I I don't get in trouble. I I don't get in (laughs) trouble.
1: And I remember I'm like begrudgingly walking down to the principal's office, but I see my bus at the door. And so instead of going in the principal's office, I beeline (gasps) it to the bus. And I go home, and I'm like, I have just saved myself. (laughs) I was
0: going to say, to get into brown, you got to. I'm like, I'm like, I am good.
1: Nothing's going to happen. I end up getting home, and my mom opens the door, and she's like, What? How was your day? And I'm like, Fine, great. Nothing happened. Nothing out of the ordinary. She's like, Well, great. Um, we have uh parent-teacher conferences tonight, and I'm like, No, no, you don't. She's like, Yeah, it's an open house. Like, just change your clothes, and we're going to go back to school after dinner. And I remember getting there and I'm like trying to get them to dodge my first grade <laughs> teacher. I'm like, look at the chickens yeah, yeah. that we have as a, as a school pet. And like, look, look at this finger painting I did. And look at the bathroom. Isn't it such a great bathroom? And I end up getting in front of the teacher and I'm like, I'm done. I, I have finished. My life is over. And the teacher looks at me and she looks at my parents and she goes, I love Shweta. She's such an angel. And I remember just like literally being like... Oh boy, and that was it. That was it. It was like the first time I really saved myself. The universe was conspiring You're with me.
0: Right.
1: That's amazing. But yeah, first grade. First grade. You know, and so I think, I think story just started to come really naturally yeah. to me. It just felt like a good place, and it it felt like something that. You know, like when people come up to me after shows and they just say, hey, that resonated. Mm -hmm. My intention with story is never to have people be like, wow, you're so amazing. It's to connect with
0: people. Well, that's I mean, I think any communication, whether it's writing, comedy, like the whole that's the whole point, right? Is to connect whether you're giving a message or just like empathetic, like, oh, I did that. I went through that, too. And that's
1: it's like as a comic, right? Like when you're telling a joke, people laugh. Because either they've had that same experience or they know that experience really, really well. Right. You know? Or they can be in your shoes right, or they having can that experience.
0: Be like, I can imagine that. Right. Like,
1: exactly. exactly. It's all different tiers of connection. Right. And I think that's what story really did for me. Yeah. And like, as a kid who wanted so badly to connect with something, right? I'm an Indian American. So, not being Indian and not being American, like, you listen to my voice and I don't really sound Indian. <laughs> and you look at my face and I sure as heck don't look American. <laughs> so, it was like every day waking up and being like, where do I belong?
0: What am I doing? Who am
1: I? Like, I must. I must belong somewhere. And you get on stage and you tell these stories where you now create an atmosphere that's like, I belong here. Right. And it, you belong here too. <laughs> and for me, since then, I've just been trying to create spaces where people aren't asking that question to themselves. Like, whether or not I belong, it's more of an affirmation that I belong nowhere other than here. Yeah, or how do I belong? Yeah, maybe, like Exactly. Basically.
0: Would you mind sharing with us the story you told uh, on the Storytellers Night? Because it's so good. And so I just enjoy it so much. And just the way you tell it. For sure. Would would you mind? Okay. Oh, 100%. Uh, Awesome.
1: 100%. (laughs) I am sitting inside. Bleeding. I'm sitting across from the nurse and my friends, they're sitting next to me. I was playing outside and I was kind of hanging on this door thing and I slipped and my ring it has impaled my finger and it's all just marled and I'm bleeding and the nurse is telling me that she is going to have to cut it off because there's no way I can get it off but she doesn't understand you can't cut off this ring I can't lose it it was October of 2003 I am 12 years old and it is Diwali it is the day before Diwali and my mom she's cooking all these things and people are coming over and Diwali is really nice it's really nice because it makes being an Indian in Burlington Massachusetts feel good because I finally get to celebrate something that feels like me the colors and the lights and the people and just the celebration feels good to be an Indian, at least now. And my mom, she's talking to my grandfather on the phone. He's in India. He just retired, and he's spending a couple months there. She hands me the phone, and I pick it up, and he laughs. You know this smoker's laugh? Asks me if I want anything. Now, usually, I don't want anything. I mean, what do I ask my grandfather who moved here from India with $40 in his pocket and built a life for his kids and his grandkids for? I mean, he's done everything. He's the reason I'm here. But today, today I have something to ask for. See, there was this girl in my class and she has this ring. I think it's a really nice ring. And I would love a gold ring. I mean, I love jewelry, but my mom's never let me have rings because she's afraid I'm going to lose them. But I'm 12 now. I'm going to ask him for it. I think I'm mature enough. So I ask him, hey, Grandpa, do you think you could make me a ring, gold, with a heart in the middle and the word OM on it? And he laughs again. Of course, of course. Would you like any diamonds? No. No. No, 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 no diamonds. It's almost like he's always asking me if I want more. No diamonds, Grandpa. All right, give it to your sister. And I do. I give it to my younger sister who takes the phone into her room because she has a list of things she wants to ask for because she has always known what she's wanted. The next day comes and it's Diwali. And I am just trying to get through school so I can come home and we can celebrate and all the things. And I get off the bus and I'm walking down the cul-de-sac and I see a car in my driveway. Now it's Diwali. It makes sense that there is a car in my driveway. My parents, they fully believe that garages are where you keep cars and not storage. So our cars are always, always in there. But there's another car but my heart drops into my stomach, and I start running home. I open the door, and there's this elderly couple that always used to babysit us, standing right there. And they're usually really happy to see me, but um, they're crying. I run upstairs, and I run to my mom's bedroom, and I call her name, and I don't hear anything, but I see her walk out of her bathroom, and she's crying. And I ask her, what's wrong? She's still crying. I ask her again, what's wrong, Mom? She says, it's your grandfather. He's had a heart attack. And he's unconscious. And it doesn't look good. I'm going to have to go to India. And I don't know what to do. I really don't know. So I give her a hug. And I tell her, I mean, I hope everything's going to be okay. And yeah, yeah, you go. And she says, all right, you take care of your dad and your younger sister. They leave that night. And I mean, I research everything I can on cardiac arrest. At this point, I know the anatomy of heart. I know all about the aorta and the different valves and the different veins, but I don't know how to make my grandfather live. And as they're on their way, I'm wishing that they reach on time. We get a call that my grandfather has passed. And so my dad and I, we start to um, make all these arrangements for the memorial. And all of these aunties and uncles and el- like older people, my parents' friends, they're coming over. And my sister, she's crying. And I'm not really crying because I don't, I don't know. I, like, all my um, family friends, they're all telling me how much they loved my grandfather. I mean, I loved my grandfather too. But, I mean, he lived in Pennsylvania, and I lived here. I didn't really see him that often, and I don't really know. Like, I, I don't really know how to celebrate a life that's no longer here. And they're telling me, you know, you'll really have to carry on his name. And I'm like, well, I don't know how to carry on his name. I don't know any of these things. And I'm, I'm just wondering. I'm going to miss this man, but, like, I don't know what this means yet. I don't know how this is going to mean anything for me. My mom, she comes home two weeks later from India. And I remember opening the garage and she walks in and she has all these bags of luggage and she looks tired. Like she's been crying for two weeks, which she probably has. And I tell her I'll help her. So we open the bags and with the bags, I smell India. Like the spices and the saris and the air that you just smell when you go. And I'm unpacking all of these saris and spices and little knickknacks that she's picked up. And she hands me a box. She says, Here. And I open it. And in it is a gold ring with a heart and om written in the middle. Mm-hmm. And she looks at me and she goes, He must have put in the order right away. Mm because shops close Diwali morning and I put that ring on my finger and immediately I get chills and I realize just how much this is going to mean to me see my grandfather my grandfather and I we share a birthday September 17th and if you look at Any photo of our grandfather, granddaughter birthday parties, you will see me in the middle with two cakes blowing out the candles (laughs) on both my name in the balloons, my name on the streamers and my grandfather standing in the back with the biggest grin with the deepest dimples smiling in the back, knowing that one day he was going to give me his birthday. He was the kind of man who never drove in the United States, but made sure somebody would drive him to the flea market every single week. So he could go table to table and buy things for people, like things that were useful, like blenders or food processors or coffee grinders. And then he would wrap them up and give them to people just quietly and so excitedly waiting in anticipation for that person to open the thing and realize that somebody thought about them. That somebody wanted to give them something that they could use. Somebody found them important. It was every Christmas that my grandfather would sit on his chair and he'd watch my sister and I unwrap our gifts with unbridled excitement to just see how we felt about the things he'd give us like fake nails or beads or all the things my mom thought were completely extraneous to our existence he would buy them for us that's what I was gonna miss that's who I was gonna miss that's what Christmas was no longer going to have that man wasn't going to be sitting in that chair And this ring, every holiday, Diwali, Christmas alike, I can look down and just remember what it feels like to have him around me. So no, this nurse Mm. cannot (laughs) cut off this ring. I will pull it off my fingers. And so I start pulling it and I am breathing in and out like my own version of Lamaze (laughs) trying to pull this thing off and I am bleeding and I'm going a little woozy because I do not do so well at the sight of my own blood. And my friends, they've caught on to what I'm doing so they are cheering me on. (laughs) And I pull it off and it is marled and it does not look like a ring anymore and I don't think I'll be able to wear it but I give it to my mom who the next day is going to India because it is the two year anniversary of my grandfather's death. And she wants to have a little memorial for him there. She's going to invite the whole village and buy all the kids ice cream and just remember the kind of person he was. She comes back two weeks later and it's the same thing. These big (laughs) luggage bags and the smell. Just India again with the, The spices and everything. And I'm helping her unpack. But this time as I'm unpacking. I see a box. And I open it. And in it. It's my ring. And it looks like a ring again. And I put it back on my finger. (laughs) And ever since that day. My sister and I. Yeah we don't have our grandfather. But every holiday. Every Christmas. Every Diwali. We listen. To the things people talk about wanting. To the things people find important. To the things that give them light. And we go and we get them or we make them and we wrap them up and we put them under the tree or we hand them to them with the same anticipation, that excitement to see what it feels like for somebody to open a gift. Something that somebody listened to them. Something that makes them feel special. Because every time I look down at my finger, I see this ring and god do i miss my grandfather yes but he's not gone mm. because i get to keep the best parts of him alive
0: <laughs> that is awesome oh that's so you're so good you're Thank so, you. so so as you're as you're telling i i just have to think the thought came across what's your process like what's your i'm sure there are as we all have you're hanging out with friends oh i got to tell you the story like yeah. there're just those stories that you always like repeat with and i don't know i'm sure you've had this experience when you start telling someone a story and they're like yeah you already told me yeah yeah it's actually (laughs) my sister my sister keeps me hella honest she's
1: like what do you know how many like do you have like heard the story eight times she's like are you having a memory lapse right now stop it but like also like you know i i feel like if you have partners or no. siblings yeah. who have come to your um, performances comedy s- performances or, yeah, 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 they're... and they're like, oh, my God, he's telling the same joke again. <laughs> but it's like the audience wants to they, hear they it. Do, they they're do. They're like, Dave, tell me that time <laughs> about the time again, man. Like, and so people tell me that. Well, yeah. they'll be like, hey, can you tell? Like,
0: so those are the stories you're like, oh, maybe I should bring that one to stage or like how do you?
1: So for me, my process is really yeah. – um, a lot of shows and stuff, they have prompts. Okay. So I'm thinking in my head, how can I... Like, the prompt for the USA Storytellers yeah. Project was growing up. Right. So, okay, growing up, what do I want to share about growing yeah. up? And I start, like, kind of, like, going through different stories in my mind. And I'm lucky to um, to have a good anthology of all of mm-hmm. these memories in yeah. my mind. And just going through them. And then I just play around with them. Yeah. I'm not somebody who writes them down. Oh,
0: right. Really? I don't. That's amazing to I me. I
1: don't ever write them down because, and you'll hear this, and you've probably realized the way I told the story today was different than oh, yeah. the way I A little I more
0: in-depth, a little more, yeah, a detailed. Di- a different, because
1: yeah. I really want to be authentic to yeah. how I'm feeling in the moment. Okay. Yeah. You know, All and right. to the crowd I'm feeling, like- Dave versus um, a whole bunch of (laughs) other people or like if I'm in a crowd of South Asian people or if I'm in a crowd of... Read the audience. Read the audience, exactly. And just like feel honest. Also, like, how do I want to tell this story today? Right. You know, like how do I want it to land for me first and foremost? right. right. So I keep like a little kind of running script in my mind and then I'm like, when I get on stage, we'll see how this comes out.
0: But before you... So that that story, the ring story you shared, yeah, you had shared it. On, I'm I'm assuming uh, just because it's so you tell it so well. Did you perform that on stage before no, the st- story? Never. That was the I first had, time I you had picked never, that for the storyteller. Yes, right? I had you, never told the that story. That's amazing. It right? was
1: actually the first time I ever heard it come out of my mouth. Was, was the
0: rehearsal? Was the rehearsal? That's amazing. Was, I told Mark, I was like, yeah. So storytellers night, we had we had we did a rehears- rehearsal, and there was. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Shweta was the storyteller, and then there was four of us. Like, you could just, there were there was a difference between us. And no, that, no I don't know, I all. think that's, you're a storyteller. I think that's, it's, you know, that's part of it, I think.
1: You uh, know, I think, and it's really funny, because I feel like, nowadays, being a storyteller is like a LinkedIn bio. It yeah. is a marketing tactic. Is it? I gotta put that It on. is <laughs> all of these things where people are like, I'm a storyteller, I'm yeah. a storyteller. But for me, it's really the craft. Yeah. There's something about getting to work with how am I telling this story? Right. And how can I make it land and resonate mm. and feel good? Because for me, storytelling is an art. Mm. It is something that like we were doing well before media came. Well, that's
0: how it was done. That's how everyone learned anything, right? Exactly. I mean. <laughs> exactly.
1: So it's, it's one of those things where I'm just like, For me, it excites me to get to just think through and you'll, I literally, I go on walks. Okay. I had a performance yesterday. I had to come up with a story for this performance yesterday. So yesterday morning at 1030, after eating my breakfast, I go on a walk because I had nothing. I had like had ideas in my head, but Mm. I didn't know how I wanted. And I'm on this walk. I don't bring my phone or anything with me. And I am talking out loud. (laughs) I am I and you'll you may hear me say this, but I am somebody who likes to taste words. I want to taste them in my mouth and be like, hmm, does this taste good? <laughs> Do I like how this tastes?
0: Everything about it, like how exactly. your mouth feels, mouth how feels. you're right.
1: So I will just talk out loud. Now, the streets of Burlington, Massachusetts know me well. I've been there. So they're like, this is the crazy Indian chick who just talks out loud and walks around the neighborhood. <laughs> like, that's who she is. They, Wait, some,
0: that's you from yeah, Burlington? That's who they're talking that's about? It, okay. That's it. I'm it. I'm her.
1: <laughs> um, And uh, and so I do that. And I just I start talking out like, OK, do I want this? Do I, yeah. Is this how I, ooh, I like how this and you will hear me like you will see me like pump my fist in the air and be like, I like how that's. Yeah. (laughs) and like just keep going you know and i think for the longest time i kind of made myself feel a certain way about not having like a very distinct or like very structured and uh, mature um, process yeah where like you write and then you edit and then you memorize right right whatever and i was like i don't do that but
0: you must have but Like, you must have, like, okay, I know the story starts here, this is the middle part, and that's exactly like there's got to be some structure, right? No, there is, there is,
1: there is an algorithm that I create. Like, it's like these are all the things I want to include in the
0: story, in the story. Now, let's see
1: how I can arrange them, and now let's fill fill in in the the blanks. Fill in the blanks. That's cool. Yeah. And so, like, with these kind of stories, right? I'm like, all right, I remember, I remember what the structure is. Mm. So now whatever I can fill into the structure, I fill into the structure. So you don't
0: have anywhere, you don't have a list of your stories. No, you don't. You just, they're just all up and I know, you're I mean, that smart. That's how no. smart
1: you are. That's no, I just, uh, maybe I'm lazy, <laughs> <it could> be?
0: <laughs> but like
1: I, um, I'm really lucky that people have taken videos and okay. I've been on podcasts, so, have so yeah, I yeah, have so these have things, but I think, um, I think there's definitely a part of me that just wants to record all of them to okay, just yep. have, Yeah. to have one day. I have right. a mic at home that I okay. could do this with. Yeah.
0: You could just do your own yeah. storytelling podcast if you want. Exactly. What was the, you don't have to tell, share the whole story. What was the story you came up with? For yesterday on your watch, sure.
1: Um, so this was a story. It, I actually mixed spoken word and story together. Okay. Um, and it was about an interview I had a couple days ago, a job interview. Oh. Now I have not been, I've not had a job interview in over three years, and I haven't had a job in over two. <laughs> so I was nervous. I was sweating, and luckily he couldn't see that I was sweating because I was wearing an oversized shirt. But. Um, You know, he's asking me all these questions. It feels pretty good. I'm like, all right, I think I'm in my groove. And he asks me, what is your greatest career success? And I just remember being in fifth grade and filling out the sheet um, for the yearbook, saying, like, what did I want to do with the future? And realizing, like, my whole life, it's been all these expectations that I didn't even realize were mine that I took on. Mm. You know, like I had examples, not role models, right? Being a doctor, going to an Ivy league school. Like those were things that I was lauded for, or I was lauded for even talking about or aspiring to. And until I realized that, um, you know, it's really, it's really about the things that make me smile that like light up my face, the way that like my spirit can like really kind perfume a room Mm. Um, it's about how I have decided in my life that I'm never going to give up on who I am and what I want to be and who I have every right to become. And when I did that, that's when I left. That's when I left this job. It's when I left a life that I was praised for, um, for a life that was mine. And so I tell this interviewer, I tell him, Hey, yeah. Um, I smile and I'm like, he does not know what I'm about to say. Like he thinks I'm gonna be like, It's when this fortune fifty client like, yeah. like like fist bumped yeah. me. And instead I'm like, It's when, when it's it's when I quit. <laughs> it's when I quit my job and um didn't really have anything lined up. And that was pretty much the gist.
0: Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um. And any? Are, what's the job? Are you on a, is there a follow-up? Is I don't, I don't it, you know. Don't know? The, the interview was literally what's your? What is your dream job? Would it be story, like touring and storytelling or?
1: You know what? I always say, like, I never knew what I wanted to do until I started to see Glennon Doyle. And Glennon Doyle is, she is a speaker. She is an author. She is an artist. But she's just a human. Who shares about being a human and creates platforms for other people who um, also want to just understand their humanity because we're not perfect. I don't want to put on like some sort of, you know, like. Show for people Mm. in the sense that like, I am this way and look at how amazing it's more just like, yo, I'm human. These Mm. are my human experiences. Mm. And I want you to feel good about being a human. So I think that's really what I would love to tour. I would love to meet people. Mm. I'd love to connect with people. I actually just started something called Shoes at the Door, which is a supper club. And I cook for 12 to 15 people. And um, we find a place. And it's all about reflection, and we tell stories. There's usually a prompt for the night, okay, or just a subject. Yep. I mean that, and like a question, like if you were a fruit, what would you be? <laughs> um, and it's really beautiful. Nice. It's, like, How many have you done? I've done two at nice. this point. I just started, um, but it's great, and it feels good, and uh, like I've had like two very different experiences. yeah. yeah. You know, one. with like different yeah. spaces and different so you're
0: out you go out
1: i go out okay i go out so i think you know having a space to do that as well and to do it more often Mm. to talk to students especially i'd love to go back to high schools and like be able to speak to the kids who are about to have one of the biggest identity crises (laughs) of their lives (laughs) and just be like hey it's okay your identity is going to change over and over and over again. You're not always going to be the football captain. You're not always going to be the prom queen. <laughs> You're not always going to be the valedictorian, and that's completely okay. Because you know what? You're going to still be the person that jams to Careless Whisper whenever it comes on. You're still going to be the person whose face lights up when they have four different types of kale in front of them. You know, like. <laughs> have y- you
0: contacted Burlington High? I'm sure I'd love to have you. I have. Yeah. I
1: have. Yeah. Um, It's been interesting to walk those halls again and be like, (laughs) oh, gosh, I am back (laughs) and I'm back way different than I (laughs) thought I'd be back as, you know, but I think something like that really where it's just serving as a human connector Mm. and seeing how that is. So, um, you know, the job I was um, interviewing for was a consulting position, no longer in finance, but still just realize like how much I just want to be in contact with people yeah, and to do things in my life that um, really bring me together and bring us all together. And it's, it's not about like me taking the reins, but it's about like me at least creating the spaces where people can, take the reins for their own lives. Like being able to have these shoes at the door things where initially you see people come in and they're, they're quiet and they're like, I'm not going to share that much, you know? <laughs> and then as the night goes on, they're sharing more and more. And by the end of the night, you know, like they are just really comfortable in their experience. Yeah. And you're like, wow. All right, cool. Because like, what a gift that we get to judge ourselves a little less You know, just a little, like, if somebody else (laughs) said, hey, you know, I went through this thing, and you're like, oh, man, I've been through this thing, too. Huh. Maybe I'm not alone. Well, that's,
0: I mean, and that's the, at least, I think my parents are a little older than yours, but, like, my parents' generation, like, when you had a problem, you didn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. You just kept it to yourself. You just dealt with it. You're, you're, you're a tough person. You can deal with it. But that's the whole thing, whether, whatever you're talking about, and they didn't, wouldn't even say cancer. They would say, like the c word or you know they they would they'd never even mention it like like Voldemort and Harry Potter and like the less you mention something the more power you're you're giving it and when you talk about your stuff and someone's like oh I've known I mean that's what support groups are for right you're you're with people that are going through a similar thing that's so that's so important
1: it's so important and I think I mean I've realized that a lot with my parents and you know to this day they're like do you think you should share those things (laughs) Like, do you think, you know, there's like a level of censorship that they uh, want me to do on my, my stories. My
0: parents have not seen me perform stand-up because I think they don't want to hear what it's I It's hard, said. you know, like,
1: and I talk about things that were hard for yeah, me. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I'm like, look, like we can all sit here and pretend that life is daisies and ponies and rainbows. We can, but it is not, you know, and it's not like, and I do think there's a level of like emotional responsibility you need to take over your own stories, right? Mm. Where it's like, I've processed this. I understand where I'm at. Like, yeah, it sucked, but like, I don't need anybody else to be like, are you okay? Is like, (laughs) I'm okay. Right. And so, only the stories I tell are the stories where I'm like, I'm fine. Like, I'll be okay. You know? But, but yeah. I think that's a big thing is generationally as well. Just inviting the older generations to be like, hey, it's okay to say something was suboptimal. Right. Not perfect. So... So I, you know, I hope that through me telling my stories, my parents feel, and you know what? I've seen it too. I've seen them open up a little bit more about things in their lives. Like I go on walks with my dad and he starts sharing and I'm like, this man has never shared anything. (laughs) And it's really beautiful to get to see them and be like, they feel good about just being human and not exceptional. You know, it's not about being the most successful or coming off the most grounded or the most well off. Well, that's the thing is
0: like, And I always, I often say this, like, is there, there's really no better, like, that person's, they may be better at something, Mm -hmm. they may be better at hockey than me, but there's no such thing as a better person. No. We're all just, we're all just people on different, like, levels of everything. No matter what you're talking about. (laughs) hundred percent.
1: And, like, you know what? There's going to be nobody who, nobody who does Dave McGrath better than Dave McGrath. My
0: God, I hope not. You know?
1: (laughs) And, like, that would be awkward you know like that would be a little weird
0: we're we're barely have enough room for one of me
1: and that's what i'm saying is like the more and more we get to learn ourselves the more and more we start to judge ourselves a little less right the more and more you realize like you know what it's okay that i'm my own role model you know that i get to be the one who decides what step i'm going to take and then sometimes it's it feels better because now it's not like you filling out big footsteps. Yeah. It's you creating. Well, it's
0: funny you say that because I, I think about we, we talk about this comedian, Mike Berbiglia who I love, who's from Shrewsbury, Mass. And he's a storyteller type of comic. And I catch myself. I, I got to catch myself saying, I want to be like my, I want to be Mike Birbiglia. No, I don't. I'm mm-hmm. Dave McGrath and maybe I can use what he does mm-hmm. as an inspiration, but I'm not going to be, I'm not him. Yeah. I'm not going to be him. I'm yeah. Dave McGrath. Like hundred percent.
1: And, yeah. and you know, I think that's, that's, that reframe was how I actually started telling stories, okay. right? Like, cause I would see these poets and these storytellers and be like, Wow, they're so amazing. They're so good. I could never do that. Like, there's. So... I don't know if I could be like them. Well, it's like you're never going to be like them. Just <laughs> right? realize that. Yeah, you're not. You're it's actually. Never gonna it's happen. actually like impossible <laughs> to be them. Right? So why don't you be you? Yeah. <laughs> and just try to like hone that.
0: But that's. I mean, and that's a lot of people suffer from. I don't like me. I, mm-hmm. I don't like to be me. I don't like me. And you know, I don't know if you've heard of um, George Plimpton. No. So he was a, a writer a um he did some acting he was in goodwill hunting he had a small role um but he so he um wanted to find out what it was like to be a detroit lions football player in the preseason so he went to the camp and he interviewed the players he saw what they were doing talked to them whatever took tons of notes and he's like oh okay like, I have a pretty good idea, but like, I really don't know what it's like, so I gotta put on the pads and do a. So, he put on the pads, did all mm-hmm. the drills, was became a Detroit Lions football player, and he was so he yeah. was. And he did the same thing with the Bruins, the Boston Bruins, and he played goalie in a preseason game and saved a penalty shot. There wow. was a penalty. And so, his his big life lesson, as far as what you know. I read his stuff and seen his thing is you're whatever you say you are. Mm-hmm. Like whatever you say you are, that's what you are. So he was, he was a Boston Bruins player because he was, <laughs> he was, but like point being like, you know, I struggle with drinking. Well, I was just Dave, the angry problem drinker. And that's why I was, well, yeah. I'm not like, but I kept saying like, that's, that's yeah, who yeah. I am. That's just what it is. but then I stopped and I'm now I'm not that I'm not that person. I was, so basically you, you're whatever you say you are, Yeah. you know?
1: Exactly. I think it it really is. And you like, you can get in a room. Nobody's going to question you. You get in a room. You're like, I'm a writer. I'm an artist. (laughs) I'm a creative. Sure. Like who, who has the magic gauge (laughs) that is going to tell them that measures measures who's what. what. If you write, you are a writer. If you create, if you do anything artistic, you are an artist.
0: And there's, uh, I don't know if you've heard this, people always say, well, I could never, I could never do stand-up comedy. I could never, well, if you say that, then you're right.
1: Yeah, exactly, (laughs) then you won't. If you continue to say that, you will never do it. Good, good for you. You are manifesting that for yourself. Exactly, and
0: that's what what it is. if you you say that, then you are, and then you do it, and you start doing the things Like you were saying about the storytelling like momentum is a huge thing so like you were doing how many did you do I did I did 20
1: 20 something shows and you know what the big thing too is realizing that as any sort of creative you're going to go through ebbs and flows oh yeah right and the ebb is just as important <laughs> as yeah, the flow. You right you know where yeah. you're like i have nothing not, i am and in life
0: too right we need you need those you need I those quit moments. 100 like i am back to yeah. right
1: where yeah. you're like i am living in my childhood bedroom <laughs> and this is what i'm doing now you no know comment <laughs> but it's like it's like one of those yeah. things where you're just like oh and once again the less and less you judge yourself for those dips right. in your life right. you're like yeah, because this right. thing is sign- just acknowledging smile. them. It just like, acknowledging uh, yeah. like I'm here right yeah. now. It's
0: not fun, but I know it's where it's going.
1: Exactly, and yeah. like after like a certain amount of momentum, where I'm like story after story, I had like a good month where I was like, I just i don't want to do want anything a i want to break. break yeah yeah i don't sense. want to do this right now and it's not that i don't want to do this ever it's like just right now i need a break right. yeah and this doesn't make me any less of a storyteller right. it just right. says
0: a storyteller on break
1: <laughs> it's a storyteller on break it's well speaking, break.
0: speaking of what our hour is just about up love thank it. you so much i flew by well, i'm not it, surprised it, it, truly <laughs> did. you're a great guest thank you so much i hope you come back on again sometime i would It'd love to awesome. if you'd have me all right thanks for listening everyone